Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thank you so much to our sponsor, Healing Insight, an acupuncture and holistic medicine clinic on Grand Avenue in St. Paul, Minnesota. Owner Senia May and her team of practitioners can help patients with everything from anxiety to fatigue, digestive issues to women's health, and so much more. And speaking of women's health, Healing Insight has some huge news. Practitioner Nikki Ballian was just officially certified as a fertility specialist by the American Board of Oriental Reproductive Medicine. She's been specializing in women's health and fertility for 12 years and is now one of only nine practitioners to have this special certification in the entire state of Minnesota. In fact, my youngest sister, Jenny, started to become concerned about her fertility after trying to get pregnant for about six months. She says she could feel changes in her body within just a few treatments from Nikki and credits Nikki with getting her body on track to become pregnant. And Jenny's first baby is expected this summer. I'm currently pregnant with baby number three and have visited Healing Insight regularly throughout my pregnancies and especially at a time when my prenatal care has seemed really uncertain because of the COVID-19 health crisis. Knowing that I'm consistently able to focus on my physical and emotional health with Senya has been so important. Senya was also our featured guest on one of our most listened to episodes of Best to the Nest. It's episode 25, simply titled Anxiety and episode 113, where we talk about coping with the COVID-19 global pandemic. Visit Healing Insight HealingInsightOnline.com. That's HealingInsightOnline.com to find out more about Senya and her team. And congratulations, Nikki. I'm Marjorie Punnett. I'm Elizabeth Reese. This is Best to the Nest, the podcast that's all about creating strong, comfortable, beautiful nests that prepare us to fly. Hello, Marjorie. <laughs> Hey, darling. And wouldn't it be wonderful if everybody had nests Yeah, them to fly? This, this is a hard conversation. This is definitely, I think, the hardest conversation that we've had so far in doing Best to the Nest. Because, Marjorie, I didn't think things could get harder with a global pandemic. And then now here we are. And Minneapolis, as we're talking about this, we don't always tell you the date. But today it's May 31st. And it's a Sunday. And in Minneapolis, we are just coming off of our fourth night of violent protests in our cities that have literally burned our cities to the ground following the horrific and unjust and tragic death of a man named George Floyd. We say his name, George Floyd, at the hands of a Minneapolis police officer. And I don't think I've ever felt more broken than now. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, there is a lot of pain. There's just a lot of pain and there's a lot of listening that needs to happen. There's a lot of action, good action that needs to be taken, but there's no getting around that this is all really scary. It's very scary. And, you know, I think what as I'm processing this, and and it's just to be very clear that my experience in this world is that of a white woman. 
right? That is what I was born and that is what I am. And so when you look at life through that lens, you have a privilege that is inherent to being a white woman in America that others don't have. And I think what's happening here is that there are a lot of white people in Minnesota who have sort of lived under this guise of racism doesn't exist here. We're not racist. We didn't have a history of slavery here. We are, we don't have Confederate flags here. We don't use the N word here, Marjorie. I mean, that kind of superiority, I think, has been going on for a long time in Minnesota, and it has allowed this sort of silent racism to pervade, which is that there has been just a divide that's not talked about. There uh, particularly, I think this affects a lot of minority communities, but particularly the black community, and there has been this divide, a lack of understanding, and a real lack of understanding of the day-to-day experiences of being a black American. And that is all coming to a head now. And it's such a nuanced conversation to have. And I think it's important to just, what I'm trying to do constantly is just be recognizing that I'm coming at this conversation from a place of privilege that a lot of people don't have. And that makes it difficult to talk about. But I also feel like if we don't talk about it, we're just going to keep going in the way that we're going. And we can't. It's unjust. And I've been watching a lot of, obviously, a lot of news. And I've been watching a lot of the social media channels. And a long time ago, we do a love list, for those of you who may not have heard this podcast before, where we talk about things that we love. Then we do another list where it's what we're watching, reading, and listening to. And it was in one of those two lists that I said I follow Sir Twitch a lot, who is, he's on Ellen's show, and he's a beautiful dancer, and his family's adorable. And through p- the pandemic, They've been dancing like you can you can join them every day and dance to get some fitness. He's been a and, fun follow for me too. I yeah, added that after that. He's really they just they just look like joy. I look at that family and it's just joy. Well, he's a he was on Instagram this morning and he's a black male in America. And something he said really struck me when I knew that we were going to be doing a podcast today, which was imagine use your imagination. And he said, imagine that it's your son, your husband, you know, your father. And I think we we all, obviously, I'm a white woman as well. We all have different lenses. But as mothers, we love our children. Right. And we love our husbands. We love our fathers. So I think starting there is is a good place. And I, I love the way he phrased it because it was just imagine, just sit in it a moment where you have to think about you're afraid of your, of your son just walking through a white neighborhood. Yeah. You're afraid if a police officer comes up behind you. Mm-hmm. I don't have that fear. Right. I mean, and if I do, it might be because I was speeding and I probably knew that I was. So... It's different. It's just different. And I just, I thought, I thought it was so eloquent in, in the idea of start there. And I think, you know, we talk about listening, we talk about things have to change and we talk about all of those things, but it requires taking a moment, a real moment of empathy. And that's hard. Not, I mean, 
it's, it, I think it's hard to make yourself do it. I'm not saying it's hard. You know what I mean? I'm not trying to put too fine a point on that. Well, it's hard to do it on a daily basis, and it's definitely hard to understand the compounding reality of daily injustices. Yeah. That's it. So right the death of George Floyd is a great injustice. It is a huge, just tragic injustice. And then what has happened is that was the spark that lit the entire world on fire, which was every little day-to-day injustice committed against a black person in America and across the world is lit on fire. And and there are a lot of then ramifications for that. And there are a lot of things that are happening. And then there are a lot of different groups of people who have either interest in changing that or interest in keeping it the same. And they are fighting a war now. And the war is on and I'm on the ground. And my city is a war zone, Marjorie. I mean, my home was at the center of a war zone. And it's just very sad because as I talked with two black mothers this week, my friends, Shaletta Brundage and Lindy Vincent, who hosted a podcast together for a long time talking about parenting, and they are just, they're raising wonderful children. They are married to wonderful husbands. And I had a conversation with them on Friday that I'm going to post the full version of it, Marjorie, because it was about 15 minutes long. And they were telling me that they fear for their husbands every day when they walk out the door. My friend Shaletta said, nobody looks at my husband and thinks he has a master's degree and is a parent of four children and a homeowner and a husband. When he goes out into the world, they think he's another black man and they think that they can do anything. And she (laughs) talked specifically about that fear. (sighs) Lindy, who has an 18-year-old black son, talked about the fear for him every single day. And Shaletta talked about her boys, who are five and seven, who have autism, who will soon be 15 and 17. And then what will the world, and particularly what will authorities think of them, that they will be seen as a threat. And so that was so, you know, it's just... It is something that as a white mother of a boy, and Marjorie, you're a white mother of boys, you have never had to think about. I've never had to think about that. And that is a privilege. And so now we have that fear. And I have experienced that fear for the safety of my children and my husband for four days, four nights. And I cannot imagine what it is like to experience it every single day and every single night of your life. And I can also imagine how it would make you not just sad, but it would start to make you pretty damn mad. So kind of where we're at now, Marjorie, is the city's been burned. Minneapolis and St. Paul are um, are broken. And the National Guard came in last night and then it really made it look look like a war zone. I took my children and left. I'm privileged enough to have another place to go and to have a way to get there. And so we made the decision that we've been making every night now for the past few nights, which is I will take the children and leave. And um, my husband will stay back and 
try to handle anything that happens to our home and to our neighbors. There was a neighborhood meeting called at 4 o'clock yesterday. We had all of our neighbors, black, white, old, young, parents, non-parents, everybody, gathered around, many people who I'd never met because, you know, we haven't lived here that long, and gathered together, coming up with a plan to patrol our neighborhoods, to protect our businesses that are around us, uh, a communication plan, and how to recognize where the elderly in our neighborhood live so that we can protect them. And I will tell you, when you see chopper images of massive military response and police response, and you know that it is feet from your front door, it is a feeling unlike anything I've ever had before. Well, and I think there's... Sorry, go ahead. No, and again, I just want to say again, I recognize and I am recognizing that this is, again, there are so many things about my situation that are so privileged that other people do not have in going through this. And I'm going to keep reiterating that. But at the same time, I also, this is where we share our feelings and who we are and we share what is in our nest. And I would be completely inauthentic if I wasn't, if on a normal day, I'm telling you about things that are happening in our nest and I didn't tell you about what's happening in our nest now. Well, you were scared. And I think what's, I think what's important to recognize is to have perspective and to feel fear for four straight days. I think that that's a really interesting touchstone to what would that be like, as you've already said, day after day after day after day after day after day. Right. And so I don't think you're in I, – I, I just – the hard part is, is, you know, we talk about raising our children. We want to raise our children – with their hearts open to the world and to everybody that they meet, what is the conversation we can be having with our children to make sure that they that they do that? And, you know, I think that conversation, what I have had my eyes open to so clearly in the last few days is that, you know, I remember being raised in a household where it was, well, we don't, we don't care about the difference between black and white or whatever. It is what it is. And to even, and and I think the intention of that conversation is always good, right? The intention of that is to say, we appreciate each other's differences, but people are people. And we were all created as people and as humans in the image of God, right? That's the conversation that is having. But what you don't realize in a white family is that that is a privilege to be even able to have that conversation and to say that everybody is in the same boat. Because the truth is, everybody's not not in the same boat. And so if you're a black family having that conversation, it is, yes, we see you as a gift and you can be anything you want to do and you are incredible. And we are so happy to be your parents and people are people and we are loving people and we are kind to people. But the truth of the matter is you also have to have that conversation in a black family of, but when you walk out that door, it's different out there. Yeah. And which I've never had to have that conversation. with. You've never had to have it. Right. And I've never had to, and I won't either. So I think that's where we are learning just so many layers to this and we're seeing so many layers. And let me tell you, and I just, I I cannot express enough how supportive I am of protesters and peaceful protests. 
I think the struggle Marjorie has really been seeing these peaceful protests and the vast majority of people, which I mean, you know, isn't this just indicative of so many things in life, right? The vast majority of people want to do the right thing, yep. want to be the right thing and want to help others. And then you have a few that wreak havoc upon so many, but you have to have the big group of people standing up and saying, this isn't okay. And those peaceful protests have been some of the most beautiful things I've seen. It's just unbelievable to see people gathering together in a peaceful way while also saying our voice needs to be heard. We're, we're not going to be quiet. We're not going to let this message die like George Floyd died. But then when nightfall hits and it's darkness out there, it's a whole different situation. I think I get frustrated with what's next. What are we to do? What, how better could I use my voice? Is my voice necessary in this discussion? What, what, and I think, and I think in some ways, I think the conversations, and we're going to have some going forward on this podcast, are to listen, to figure out what sort of activism is called for, Mm -hmm. what sort of legislation is called for and try and understand how to get behind that in a really proactive way. I think it's easy after I, I do. I think it not easy is the wrong word. I think it is human nature for many of us when to, to be outraged by the things that we see and then to be passive again. And I just don't think that that I, th- I think that, and I'm just talking about myself is I don't know what's next. I don't know how to be of service in this. And I think I just have to listen harder to find the way. And I think that's what a lot of these voices are crying for, is please don't be passive. Please come help. But I I think in the midst of all of this, and that's where the the looting gets in the way of this is just because we need to, we've got a lot to do. Mm-hmm. We've got a lot to do in front of us. And now first we got to clean up. We've got to clean everything up. But, but that's, but that's the cosmetics of it. It's the insidious nature of, of, of everyday racism that has to be just has to be acknowledged first in some places, like you said. It has to be acknowledged that it's there. It's it's a real experience every single day. And then what? And yeah. I think I think it just I don't. It, it's just very frustrating, and it, it's I, it's just very sad. It's just very sad. And I, I will confess, I'm I'm a little inarticulate today because I just, as Elizabeth knows, my mother's was in the ICU last week. Yeah. And so the discussion I'm having with my sisters is which where does she go next? Right. She has to have rehab. She's doing better. I'm thrilled about that, but it's not fun having your 87-year-old mother in an ICU unit during a pandemic. So mm-hmm. the pandemic's still happening and we actually have to make a choice of well where was there rioting? Yeah. My mother lives in the middle of Chicago. So it's just, it's, it's just so sad. And so I, I say, I just keep saying sad because my pain, I can't put that above anybody else's pain. Mm -hmm. I can't, it's pain. But again, you go back to, it hasn't been everyday pain for me. 
What does everyday pain feel like? What does everyday fear feel like? How does that affect how you feel about the world? I I just, I just, so all I'm left with, and I said this to my husband last night, I said, I'm just so deeply sad. I'm just sad. And this is the benefit of being married to a, um, somebody who could preach. I said, <laughs> please just preach to me. Just help me. So I hope everybody somewhere in their life has somebody to turn to that can help them find the light in this. Yeah. And that, and that we can go forward and help others to find the light. There have been certainly some really beautiful things that have come out of this because where there is struggle, there is always good. And where there is darkness, there is always light. And I think seeing the images of Minnesotans show up at designated food drop-off sites with just overwhelming amounts of stuff because now we are left with food deserts that are um, in our neighborhood where people who don't have cars and the grocery stores have been destroyed. There's nowhere for them to go get food. So people are bringing it to them. It's unreal. I mean, I heard stories yesterday of people saying, I went down to try to help them clean up and I couldn't find a speck of glass with my broom because there had been so many people there to start cleaning up. That that response has been huge. And the conversations and even down to my neighborhood of just realizing, gosh, this, the sense that I felt when I looked around that group of people all together for one purpose and all agreeing that whatever happens, we will protect each other was beautiful to see. I mean, Jay and I stood there with tears running down our faces as we were at this meeting. But that because, was, yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, that's, I mean, that's where we were at. And so I think you see some of, you see so much of that beauty and you're reminded of so much good. It's just, it's hard to see right now on the ground in Minneapolis. And I know other cities are going through a lot too. And I can just only speak to our experience here where after four nights, it's, it's a lot of dark. Well, I just, I just think about, and then I think, I just think about how do we, I, I don't, I don't have words. I just don't know what's next. And I just keep thinking, got to do a lot of listening. You have to do a lot of listening. listening. I know I'm feeling the same way. I'm exactly feeling that same way and, and actively seeking out ways to listen. And again, those are some conversations that I think are important for us to have on best to the nest. And, and we will do that going forward. I saw something that I think really helps and can help if you maybe have struggled with this idea of white privilege being a real thing, right? If you've sort of, we all tell ourselves a story about things, right? Mm -hmm. And when you tell yourself a story that I am successful because I've worked so hard or my family has worked so hard because we have achieved things because we, we are educated and we go to work every day. There is, there can be this sense of, well, I'm successful because I did it myself not necessarily looking at the context of the system that is set up to help some succeed and not others. And I saw a, a, a description of white privilege, which is that white privilege doesn't mean that you haven't had a hard life, right? It doesn't mean that because you're white, everything has been roses and sunshine and wonderful for you. White privilege means that the color of your skin has not been one of the hard things in your life. Right, right. And that, you know, when, I think when you kind of just get down to that simplicity of it, then you can go, oh, 
you don't have to be on the defensive. You can just go, this is why I have to listen, because this is not a struggle that I have faced right. simply because of the color of the skin that I was born with. Yeah. I I, I like that as a starting point. I don't know. I, you got to find some place to start. <laughs> yeah. All right, lady. I know. Here we go again, guys. <laughs> you know, it's, we're going to, we're we gearing have... up for another night. So it's, um, it's, it's tough. Elizabeth and I are always try to be pretty buttoned up and we have a whole outline of all the things we want to talk about usually when we have a podcast. And one of the things we wanted to talk about today was fear. And we'll get back to that. We'll get back to that and some coping mechanisms when it comes to fear. But I think we'll figure out what's next. I think we can stop there, Marjorie. Yes. Sound good? Yeah. Okay. If you are enjoying this podcast, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and give us a review at Apple Podcasts. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Best of the Nest or go to bestofthenest.com to subscribe to our newsletter. We are the podcast that brings you home. Stay safe, everybody. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the sleep number bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.